My name is Dean Millard. My name is Blake Smith. And let's tap in. On today's episode of Tap In, we're going to discuss the very busy NBA trade deadline. We saw a lot of key role players um, get traded. We saw superstars get traded, and the league is very shaken up. But before we get into that discussion, we have a special guest to announce. Yeah, man. Today I'm here with my Villanova roommate, Matt Zakowski. What's up, everybody? So first, we got to talk about one of the moves from the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks, along with Markeith Morris. The Nets received Spencer Dim, along with Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first-round pick, 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick. Blake, what are your thoughts? Well, from the Brooklyn Nets' perspective, um, I like that they got a first-round pick, but I don't really understand the trade considering the other offers on the table. Um, I know they ended up trading Kevin Durant, of course, but they made this Kyrie trade as if they were going to build around Kevin Durant. They got Dinwiddie, who's a good scorer. That's not going to make up for Kyrie scoring, but knows the offense and is a good player. And then you got Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a very good perimeter defender. But they ended up trading Kevin Durant. So, like, their value is almost not useless to the team, but, like, you're not building around Dinwiddie or Dorian Finney-Smith. But they could have did the Lakers trade where they could have got both first-round picks – they could have bought out Westbrook, had cap space, and sort of set there and really set themselves up for the future if they knew they were going to trade KD. So from the Brooklyn perspective, I'm not really sure what they're doing, but um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because they have a lot of key role players. They have like a good collection of role players and um, players that a lot of teams want. So they have assets to trade if they want to go into a full rebuild. And they have, you know, Camp Thomas, of course, who's um, showing – flashes but from the Mavericks perspective I sort of like this all-in approach you want to show Luka um they're that they're ready to go all in and compete for a championship I know as presently constructed before the Kyrie trade they just didn't have enough firepower but Kyrie brings that secondary ball handler and um allows Luka to take a break at once and we know what Kyrie can do with the ball and now they can be one of the best offenses in the league and then One thing scary is their defense because they really have no defense. But thanks, I mean, man. Kyrie's still with the ball. Matt, question: uh, You know, Matt's a guy. He's from Jersey. He's a Knicks fan, but uh, this is relevant because the Nets are like the crosstown rivals. Were you surprised that Kyrie was traded? I was, and I wasn't at the same time because if it's not working, something has to be changed, and they're gonna rebuild. So the fact that, like Blake said, that they wanted to trade Kyrie first and then build around KD. KD has kind of proven that he doesn't want to be waiting to be built around. He wants to win now while he's in his prime, and some might debate he's the best player in the league at the moment if he's healthy. Um, but from the not trade standpoint, what was that, Blake? What would you say? I said it's not a debate. It's obvious he's the best player. But... Well, <laughs> you got to think about Giannis. You got to think about Giannis. But no, he, KD is up there. But the other thing to note about this trade as well is, yeah, the Nets are getting the 2029 first-round pick, but if the Mavs are going to be one of the top teams in the league with Luka and with Kyrie, that first-round pick is going to be at the very end of the first-round draft. So what is the 25th, 26th pick in the draft really doing for you? Right. And I think the, the big thing about this trade, we talk about winners and losers of trades. If we're talking about win now, obviously it's the Dallas Mavericks compared to the Nets because 
the Nets lost their star power. Obviously, Kyrie Irving trade, it's undebatable that his lost presence and him leaving trickled to Kevin Durant being like, I'm out. Uh, I think we can't forget that the this next team is top four in the Eastern Conference. They're contenders. They strung those 12, 13 wins together, and we're like, okay, they might be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference in that tier with the Bucks and the Celtics and maybe even the Sixers. So, um, you know, I guess we know that there it was tumultuous for uh, the Nets and for Kyrie and for Kevin Durant and just all the expectations with, like, this, this super team, uh, especially when even Harden was there. Uh, and just, like, a lot of uh, – controversy around you know if to run and and you know achieve their goal of winning a championship yeah and i have two uh comments one um to matt's point they're talking about like the 2029 pick with the mavericks the mavericks aren't gonna foresee ever giving luka Doncic up like you just don't give a player that generational up but if they would have took the lakers deal and sort of built for the future you got to foresee lebron's not going to be playing 2029 you think seven more years you don't think lebron has seven more years ad's brittle you never know if the Lakers anthony davis and all that so that pick is more likely to be more valuable um down the road than a mavericks pick because you just can't see the mavericks trading um luca but um one thing i have a question for you guys is um do you guys think Kyrie will be a rental for dallas or do you can you see a world where he stays with dallas after the season I mean, I think that they have to see where this team goes with Kyrie. Right now, they're in, they're in bottom five, I believe, in offenses. You might you mentioned their uh, defense, which is in the top ten, I believe. I can double check that. But bringing in Kyrie emphasizes their guard play. I mean, with Luca and Kyrie, what other team has two guards that can really match up defensively with them? So if they can keep this defensive uh, prowess up and have two guards that can score at will, if it works, then I believe that they're going to stay with Kyrie. If it doesn't, Kyrie's kind of been known to jump around. So if it doesn't work, he's going to leave. And I think Kyrie, right, there's a lot of thoughts and opinions about Kyrie's, the way he carries himself, the way that, you know, he mixes in with team chemistries and things like that, his will to want to play basketball. There's no debate that Kyrie Irving is one of the most gifted players we've seen of all time and that he can impact any team he goes to. But I think that chemistry piece and that buy-in piece are the biggest things. Now, obviously, everything's happy now because he was happy that he got out of Brooklyn. And we even saw him saying, I'm glad that KD got out of there. So he's content right now. I think we know that, you know, Dallas, they're a winning organization. We know how Mark Cuban is. He's aggressive with these moves and things like that. And we've seen when they had Dirk and Jason Terry and all of them and being in their pursuit of beating LeBron in that championship, this is an organization that wants to win. Uh, They're really audacious with that. So I think right now we see that Kyrie's in a good place, but at the end of the day, it's just about winning games and making progress in the playoffs. This team doesn't want to just get, to the Western Conference Finals. They want to go all the way. And having two elite guards, like Matt said, with Kyrie and Luka, I mean, this is that's the goal. Yeah, it would be interesting, last comment, it would be interesting to see if Kyrie does walk, how that leaves the Mavericks. Right. Because then if Kyrie walks, it's really Luka, Josh Green, and mm, not much. So yeah. It, it, it's a risk, but I think it's a risk that you should take when you have such a talent like Luka, especially when you saw him take a team to the Western Conference Finals by himself last year. You right. give a 27-point-per-game score 
On well, that well, hold on. I'm gonna stop you there though. With Brunson, we can't discount Jalen Brunson. No, yeah, but not by himself. But Kyrie's a significant upgrade over Jalen Brunson. What Jalen Brunson was last year, at least. Yeah, Jalen Brunson sure. was putting up 40 points a game. But this playoffs. is Kyrie Irving, though. No, I agree. But I'm saying in that stretch, he was yeah. putting up numbers that Kyrie doesn't even consistently put up. Well, and last point I want to say too, and I know it's only been one game that we've seen Kyrie play with the Mavericks so far, but. We saw a late game situation against a very, very good Clippers team that's healthy. That a great option, even when Luca's not on the floor, is to have Kyrie in isolation. There's not too many guys in this league that can guard Kyrie one on one. So I think that's just a great option, even if Luca's in foul trouble, if he's hurt, or if he's not in the game. You have that option offensively of one of the best and most skilled ball handlers and finishers in the league. Yeah. Um, but with that, we want to continue to keep it moving. There's a lot of moves to talk about. Other shocker, uh, I think this was like the biggest move of the offseason, arguably. Kevin Durant to the Phoenix Suns, along with TJ Warren, who let's not forget is also very skilled. And the Nets received McCall Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Jay Crowder, four round picks, and a 2028 first round pick swap. And with a little asterisk because Jay Crowder went to the Bucks, but that's a different point. But uh, Blake, you're the KD guy. What are your thoughts, man? Um, well, there, I have two emotions when it comes to this one part of me wanted to see him stay with Brooklyn. Cause it would have been interesting to see him as like, you know, like the knock on KD is that he's always had, you know, um, superstar talent around him. And that it's like, he's always been like the best player on the team or one of the best players on the team, but it's never been like, it's always been him and Steph Curry, which is like a one, a one B situation. It's one and two with him and Kyrie, but Kyrie's such a good second option. So I was kind of looking forward to see KD go sort of that super sane mode that we saw him go against Milwaukee. But in terms of the fit in Phoenix, I mean, I mean, it's not a better fit. You have Chris Paul who can sort of age perfectly with this lineup now because, you know, Chris Paul sort of scores based off necessity. But when you have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. Now Chris Paul can really like just focus on facilitating, which, which might help out, which might help with the injuries and stuff. Cause you know, Chris Paul was the like fourth quarter, one of their fourth quarter guys along with Devin Booker. He's the second option. Now that you have Kevin Durant, it's great. Um, I am a little concerned defensively only because, you know, their backcourts, two great wing defenders and Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges who brought so much to the team, but offensively they have the firepower and um, yeah, but um, also one more thing is their depth. They don't really, they had to, they lost a lot of their depth in this trade, which is like, that's the risk you have to take when you get a talent like Kevin Durant. But one is campaign. Who's very inconsistent. You have Shamit. You have Torrey Craig. These are like decent players, but in a playoff series, can you trust them if Chris Paul needs a break? Because you can't play Chris Paul 40 minutes. He's going to break down. Most Devin definitely. Booker is injury prone. Kev- Kevin Durant can get injured. Not banking on injuries, but it'll be interesting to see if they work in the buyout market, try to get John Wall as a backup one, Reggie Jackson as a scoring backup one, or try to get like a wing, like Will Barton or something like that, just to rebuild their depth. Because their starting five is – undebatably the best starting five in the league now. You'll probably start Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Craig, and Aiden. You can't really find a better five than that. But it'd be interesting with the depth because depth gets you through the regular season so these players are fresh in the playoffs. Oh, Steph. Yeah. 
And well, I think they're, they're I think they're leading I think they're the leading favorites as like my last comment coming out the West. But um the West is so jam-packed. You have Denver, Golden State's always a sleeping giant. You had the Lakers make big moves, Memphis is there, uh, the Clippers, of course, made some moves. So it'll be interesting. Definitely a shift of power in the conferences. Matt, what are your initial thoughts to this move? Blake Blake was saying there really isn't any other starting five who can match up. But to your point, Blake. All they really got to do is be one of the top six seeds in the West. If they get in without getting into the play-in, if they're solidified in the playoff, those four guys you know are going to take over in the playoffs. It doesn't really matter what the bench is like. Obviously, it does a little bit. But if you mix campaign or like Landry Shamit in with one of or two of these guys at a time, you're telling me that Kevin Durant's not going to be able to take over with Landry Shamit as his point guard? Like, yeah. He's going to take over no matter what. So as long as they can get into the playoff and not have to worry about playing, they'll be fine. I think they make Western Conference Finals easily without any having the bench come into play at all, really. And yeah. I, that, I don't know. And some people might see that as a hot take because, like Blake said, this West Western Conference is very jam-packed. You have the Grizzlies who have a chip on their shoulder, and they're playing like they've won four championships. Jaws fine in the West. Right, right. Jaws fine in the West. And you <laughs> see, now West. he got some pressure. Now he has a lot of pressure. Now he really has to put on for the Grizzlies. The Warriors, I know they're not having the best season, but they still have Steph Curry. They still have Klay Thompson who wants to prove that he is a top 75 player of all time. Draymond's going to be a role player. He's hoping to increase his offensive production. Um, but I like, like to both of your points, this team is win now, championship or bust. We see in this era, you know, stars teaming up together to try to take over. I mean, I might be biased. Take over my guy, Bron, the, the all-time leading scorer. But, um, no, this team definitely is a favorite for most people. I know that, you know, in our, one of our episodes, Blake, we talked about who we had coming out of each conference. I said – the Nuggets and the Celtics, you said the Clippers and the Bucks, I believe, which are all great teams. But now the Suns, you got to put them into the equation and say, well, what if they stay healthy? We know what these guys are capable of, like Matt said. So it's very, very, um, yeah. So I mean, this is this is definitely a very interesting move. Uh, but I also want to focus on the Nets a little bit as well because, yeah. like I said, the Nets got some key pieces and some versatile guys. So uh, for the both of you, what are your thoughts about who the Nets received and how they move forward? I see. Yeah, I want to sort of ask you guys sort of like a question that goes along. I think, me personally, I think it was a they got way less than what they should get for a player like Kevin Durant. If you think about what, if you think about the market and what like Rudy Gobert went for, you kidding me? To get yeah. see what Kevin Durant got, like yeah, Mikel Bridges is a very Mikel Bridges can't Mikel Bridges is very good. Cam Johnson is very good. And four first-round picks is, like, obviously a lot of capital. But when you trade a player like Kevin Durant, you get four first-round picks and a player that's already in the all-star level. Mikel Bridges is a very, very good role player. He's not an all-star, though. Like, if you think about what they were trying to get in the summer, they were thinking about trading for Jalen Brown plus three picks to get Kevin Durant. They were thinking about getting Brandon Ingram, Herb Jones plus three picks to get – Kevin Durant, you you have that sort of foundational young star that you can build around along with the draft capital. And it seems like they didn't get that in that deal. And I don't know, it seemed like for Kevin Durant, you think it go from much more considering Rudy Gobert went for, what, five first-round picks, Jared Vanderbilt, Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, like very good NBA players. 
it seems like that package is almost on par for a player that is one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Matt, I have a question for you. With this next team, looking at the current roster, is this team a playoff team or is this team a playing team? Or, I mean, obviously they're in like the four or five spot now, but it would be kind of hard to fathom that they fall out of the playoffs. But like, what are your projections for how they end the season? Um, so looking at it right now, they're currently number five in the East. Even with the trade, I don't think – I'm a Knicks fan. I still don't think the Knicks are better than them. I don't think Atlanta's better than them. Maybe Miami passes them up and gets to the five spot. I don't think Brooklyn really drops out much below seven at the lowest. I think that they're going to stay at six. If they do drop to seven, maybe the Knicks get out of the play-in and can get at the sixth spot. But I don't see them missing the play-in at this point or getting out before they get the playoffs and they're going to be seven maybe six and make the playoff with some ease but then maybe get exited out in the first round yeah man i mean we can't sleep i know as powerful as the western conference is and has become with these with these moves we can't sleep on the east the east is pretty jam-packed uh in yeah. like those first like first seven spots and then you have like the tiers of like the chicago's and atlanta and toronto who and even the Heat, who kind of missed out much on, you know, this this opportunity to acquire some new pieces and kind of build around their stars. Um, but any final thoughts from either of you about this move before we move on to the next one? I do want to mention that I have, like, a question for you guys, and this is about sort of, like, the Western Conference in general. Do you think – do you want a one – like, if you're in the Western Conference and your team, you're, like, in the middle of the pack, do you want a one seed knowing that you could possibly play the Golden State Warriors or Los Angeles Lakers the first round? I don't know about me. Maybe it's just like the bias to the old stars and like what they've accomplished. But if you're thinking about it, the Suns right now would play the Kings the first round, the team that just made the playoffs for the first time in 16 years. Would the Suns want to move up to the two seed and then possibly play Golden State first round? Or play the Lakers or play the Pelicans first round? Or would you rather, like, since it's so jam-packed, like, is the middle of the pack sort of, like, the way to go? Like, how much do you think seeding will play in the Western Conference is what I'm trying to say, considering all the Giants at the bottom. That's an interesting point. I mean, we never talked about tanking for the play, like, tanking to get into the playoffs and, you know. No team would ever do that, but it's just interesting. Like, would you want, like, what if you got the one seed and had to play Golden State first round? Like, do you want the one seed? I mean, I personally would want the home court advantage as well. The West is stacked anywhere, whether you're playing yeah. at this point, Dallas or Memphis or uh, Golden State. No matter who you're playing, you want to be at home in front of your fans because they're yeah. going to be tough series no matter who you're playing. So Yeah. That's and, I mean, mean, some teams that we might not have thought to be as good as they are this season. Let's not forget about the Kings in the three spot. Having two all-stars, I mean, you have Sabonis and then, you know, the reserve being De'Aaron Fox, who many people believe was an all-star snub and is having quite quite the season uh, this year. Um, So I think, like Matt said, from top to bottom, and even the Lakers in the bottom three right now, they made some moves to move up. And, and, you know, regardless of what season they started and and what they have had throughout and all the turmoil and things like that, they brought in some key pieces. So I think these players want to play to win. We've seen John Wall, and unfortunate for him, 
going back to Houston <laughs> and talking about how hard it was to be losing games and tanking as a star player and what he is. These guys want to win. And I think a lot of these guys, like we said, especially the Suns and Mavs, it's win now. You know, you got injuries, you have age that play factors. And the ultimate goal for any player in the NBA throughout history has been an NBA championship. Sure, the individual accolades are good, but like any sport, that championship just holds a whole different weight. But one thing I mentioned is the Lakers. I think it's, it, it would be wrong of us not to talk about the Lakers yeah. and Russell Westbrook and, and him being shipped out to the Jazz. So I'll walk us through. The Lakers received D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt. The Jazz received Russell Westbrook, Juan Toscano Anderson, Damian Jones, a 2027 first-round pick. The Minnesota Timberwolves in the three, three-team trade received Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Lesser of Washington Memphis second-round 2024 pick, and Utah second-round picks in 2025 and 2026. So a lot to digest here. We know that, you know, recently the Lakers acquired Roy Hachimura. Um, AD has been on and off the court what Brian just did so there's a lot to digest here but initial thoughts from the both of you about this move uh before we do that we just might as well add the two other trades in there they traded Patrick Beverly to the Magic for Mobamba and then they traded Thomas Bryant um for Devon Reed to the Nuggets just to sort of get the whole picture of the new constructed Lakers so Matt what are your initial thoughts about first of all Russell Westbrook finally leaving the Lakers, which, you know, there's been a lot of speculation for quite some time about him leaving, about who the Lakers received around all these moves. And then also, too, we can't overlook the Timberwolves. But what are your initial thoughts? I mean, given past history, Bron needs a good surrounding cast of shooters. He can't really work well with a lot of guys that just rely on getting inside and driving. Not that Russell Westbrook is a solely – um, slasher, but his three-point percentage is what in the twenty high twenty percentages. And unfortunately, um, he could eat. You know, Russell Westbrook was never really uh, a great elite shooter. No, but D'Angelo Russell does give you a little bit better shooting from your guard spot. Um, so I kind of like that. Obviously, getting Rui Hachimura too as uh, another offensive guy to go to besides just. Um, AD, now D'Angelo Russell, or LeBron. So you kind of can space it around. I mean, let's keep it real. LeBron's getting old. Like, obviously, he's, he's obviously now the all-time leading scorer, and if they make the playoffs, like he's going to be able to take over some games. But can he do that night after night in the playoffs? I don't necessarily know if he can. So, And I know Brown would have something different to say about that, but it is true. Age does catch up. <laughs> Blake, what are your thoughts? Um, I really like this deal for the Lakers. One, because it just adds depth to their team. Like, they were playing players that just aren't, like, really, like, NBA. Like, they're NBA players, but they're not NBA rotational players. And by adding D'Angelo, by trading Russell Westbrook, who was one rotational piece that didn't really fit the piece of their puzzle just because he couldn't shoot. Like, Russell Westbrook's still a good player, but stylistically, he's just not a good fit for the Lakers. You trade for D'Angelo Russell, who could you can see is a pretty equivalent player now. He's been playing excellent as of late, shooting the lights out of the ball, who fits better with LeBron and AD. 
Then you get Malik Beasley, another great, a good wing defender that's a good shooter that can stretch the court with LeBron. And then you have Jared Vanderbilt, who's just a winning player, has makes all the hustle plays, a very good defender. It just adds depth to their team. And now they can throw out a lineup where they have spacing. And then it just is, I'm not saying Westbrook created drama, but just the drama of having Westbrook, knowing that he'd be upset if he wasn't in the game in the fourth quarter and stuff like that, that matters to the psyche of a team. And now they can... Now they, they they can get rid of that whole situation and they can actually run out lineups that's going to be successful to what they want to do. And I think having a starting five of now, um, D'Angelo, Austin Reeves, LeBron, AD at the four, Mo Bamba at the five or something like that, some lineup like that, It give, or Roy Hachimura. It and you gives got Lonnie them, Walker off the bench too. Lonnie Walker. Now you have now you have power off the bench. Lonnie Walker is a borderline start in the league, but when you have him off the bench, it's much better. You have depth off the bench. You can give LeBron a break now, and you have mm-hmm. lineups. At the end of the day, you'll have lineups at work. There's a lot of times Lakers were throwing out lineups where they had two players on the court that can't shoot. And when you have two players on the court that can't shoot, it forces LeBron to take tough contested jump shots, and that's why he's only shooting 30% from three this year. Because yeah, he just doesn't have the spacing to do anything, and he's forced to settle for tough shots. So I think this move ultimately allows the Lakers to play a style of basketball that suits AD and LeBron more, and then also um, it gives them depth. It gives them more NBA-ready talent. Yeah, man, and let's not, you know, Sure, we expected at some point that it was going to be the end in L.A. for Russ. Um, We know that, you know, there has been drama and and it's not always been the smoothest ride. But I just want to be clear, you know, he gets a lot of hate. I think he's very underappreciated. I think that he's overhated. And, you know, it goes unnoticed of him being able to adjust to the role of coming off the bench as a star player and producing. I mean, he not playing as many minutes, but coming off of the bench and impacting the game in different ways. We see his point averages going up and we see him bringing a, a off the bench spark for this Lakers team. So wish the best for Russ. Um, but another constant conversation about this is will Russ stay in Utah? Uh, what do you guys think about Russ staying in Utah? And if anywhere that you can foresee that is a good fit for Russell Westbrook, what is the, what is in his best interest and what is in team's best interest? Well, I'll I know start. It's, 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 a, it's a difficult question. Well, I think uh, there's like no question in my mind that Utah's buying him out. Utah's going to buy him out. There's no need for Russ to be in Utah, and I don't think Utah really wants Russ. I think Utah takes Russ because they get the first round pick because we know they're going in a hard rebuild and they have their sort of star marketing that they want to build around. So there, the Utah was willing to get Westbrook and willing to take the cap of Westbrook to get that first draft capital. So I do think um, Russ will be a sort of free agent to sign with any team. And I think I know there's been rumors that the destinations are like the Clippers, um, the Miami Heat. There was one more um, prominent team that was that's thinking about picking them up. But I think honestly. I could see him going to the Clippers, especially after the Clippers don't have um, a point guard. They don't really have a point guard. John Wall is not there anymore. Um, Reggie Jackson's not there anymore. And I know they traded for Bones Highland, but is Bones Highland really a pointer? Is he more of like a scoring guard off your bench? So I think Westbrook, although 
it's not going to be the best fit. I think Paul George is recruiting him. I think Westbrook would be best suit to play sort of the point guard sort of facilitating role and then also have the ability to make big plays with the um, – with his driving ability, and I think he'd be a better John Wall at this stage. So I think the Clippers might be a good fit for him. Another thing to not forget about this trade, for Utah, they're two games up on the Lakers right now. And does Russell Westbrook give them a different aspect to their game to put them into that 10 spot? Right now they're sitting at 11. Does that put them maybe into play-in conversation um, what are your guys' opinions on that? Russell Westbrook, it's he has his ups and he has his downs, like any player does. But this team, first of all, I mean, they started off the season hot. They were in the in the playoff picture early, and this was a team that many projected to be tanking for Victor Webinyama. Let's not forget that. So I'm not saying this team's gonna tank because obviously there are there is some upside. They have Jordan Clarkson, they have Laurie Markinen and Colin Sexton, um, and Russell Westbrook. I mean, when he plays his game, we know what he brings to the table every night with his energy, night in, night out, every play. We know how much passion he has for the game. We know his strengths. He can rebound. He can get downhill, explosive speed, explosive playing above the rim, things like that. But I just don't think that this is this is sustainable. We look at salaries for the Utah Jazz. Russell Westbrook's previous salary to this trade, $47 million. There's no player on the Utah Jazz roster that salary is even over $20 million. So you have the Utah Jazz front office has to ask themselves, is Russell Westbrook the player that we want to technically, outside of Laurie Markin, and build around and kind of move forward with? Me personally, I just don't think this is what they're going to do. I know that we've seen that Russell Westbrook says that he's open to staying with Utah. We know that, you know, he can play with other star players, but he is really good when he can take lead and really, you know, be ball dominant. So I, I'd be surprised if he stays, but it's not off the table. I agree. And I don't I think Utah is using this season as just the season of development. Develop their young stars. And I think for us, just the style of play might stunt that development. And I don't know. Going like you said, going into the season, everyone thought Utah was sort of tanking for Wabanyama. So I don't know how much they like. Yes, I think it's like, yay, we're in the play-in, but like I don't know how much they really value it more so than valuing their assets and valuing their young pieces sort of developing. So I don't really see a world where he stays, and I also don't see. I know Westbrook says he's okay with it, but like I don't see a world where Westbrook wants to stay in Utah. I think Westbrook's at that James Harden state of his career, where like, or that Carmelo. And remember when Carmelo started not to be a star anymore, and he had to sort of come to his role on being at the bench. I think Westbrook's sort of at that point in his career where he just wants to win. The only thing that's not on Westbrook's resume right now is a championship. So I think that's his goal, and he's going to go to a team. If he gets bought out, he's going to go to a team that gives him the best fit because that's the only thing Russell Westbrook is missing. Yeah, we're going to keep it moving, man. We got a few more moves to discuss. Uh, Multiple team trade here. We got the Atlanta Hawks receiving Sadiq Bay from the Pistons. Golden, Store, Golden State Warriors get back Gary Payton the second. The Detroit Pistons receive James Wiseman, who is really notable. And the Portland Trailblazers receive Kevin Knox and five second-round picks. Another one, there's a lot to digest. We know that Gary Payton's coming off a championship year uh, with the Warriors, uh, even though he left. But he played a key, key role in this Warriors championship team. 
Uh, what do you guys think about these moves? Uh, personally, I think that Atlanta gets the best piece in this trade. Um, Sadiq Bay this year, obviously being on Detroit, doesn't have teams around him, but he's had flashes where he's shown that he can score at will, essentially. Not every game, but he's shown pieces. So if you put him around guys like Trey Young and uh, off of a little bit as well, like maybe being around other better players allows him to show everybody what he can really do um, instead of being stuck on Detroit. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, Sadiq Bey is a really good piece. We see that he's like a good three-level scorer, but he's not good. Like he's not the best. He was, On the Pistons, he was sort of the option to go to along with Boyan. He's not that. But we can show when he was playing with Cade Cunningham last year, he was averaging 16 a game. Like he's a very good complimentary piece. And like you said, Trey Young and Durante Murray are very good at getting their teammates involved. But it also, um, Sadiq Bay will also prevent Trey Young and Durante Murray from dribbling the life out of the ball. He's a good enough player to command sort of the respect of getting the ball, getting a place. And that's the problem with the Hawks offense. So I think, getting Sadiq Bey is a good piece to pair with DeAndre Hunter as your sort of wings on the court along with DeJounte and um, Trey Young. And I think he's a good complimentary piece. And then um, to go with um, the Golden State piece, I just – Gary Payton the second is like – he's one of those players where the stats don't tell the story, especially with the especially with the Warriors. We saw his impact during the finals run. His picking up – he'll score a bucket. He'll pick up – the ball full court. He knows how to play in the system. He knows how to run that sort of motion offense. He knows how to cut off Steph Curry, set screens. And he's just a player that is very impactful in that system. And I think it's huge for them, especially when this year they've struggled with bench production. I think he'll help that. And he'll, he, he helps the team in so many little ways that it's just like, it's hard to just define him as like maybe the six point per game scorer that he is. Yeah. I mean, out of the, teams obviously I agree with you both Sadiq Bay I think that's like the biggest immediate impact for these teams because we've seen what he can do the most out of all these players in these moves I mean James Wiseman has had his flashes but he's also had his low moments of kind of like just on the Warriors like didn't really have his footing out there. Gary Payton the second we know that he played a pivotal role defensively for the Warriors and also like just his athleticism using that offensively uh in the championship and things like that in the playoffs. Kevin Knox is one of those guys. I mean, we know that he's athletic. He, he has size. Um, but out of all these players, Sadiq Bey is going to make the biggest impact, in my opinion. That's the way I project. And let's not forget, this Hawks team, it's not like they're having a terrible season where they're, like, out of the playoff or play-in picture. They're eighth in the Eastern Conference right now. So they have some stars. You know, we have, we know what Trey Young can do in the playoffs and the chip he plays with, with on his shoulder. John Collins, we know his athleticism and him him being hurt at certain times last season. You know, that played a factor in the playoff progression. Um, Clint Capella, you know, he's a reliable big that's always been in sync with Trey Young. But we have to say that Sadiq Bey adds something that the Hawks kind of lost. They got rid of Kevin Herter and Gallinari and things like that, which is like that wing depth. And like you said, Blake, I think that he'll be great alongside DeAndre Hunter. So I'm really excited to see what this Hawks team can do to kind of shake up the middle of the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure. But overall, I think it was a great NBA trade deadline. I know 
up until Kyrie requested a trade, a lot of people thought it was going to be a dead NBA trade deadline because it just seems like there was like there's this like theory that since there's a plan, everyone thinks there's a chance they have a chance to you know make the playoffs, make a run because there's 20, 20, 67% of the league like sort of gets into the postseason. So there's like newfound optimism. So a lot of teams are so reluctant to like, you know, sell their pieces because they're like, okay, we might get out of the play-in picture. But this was definitely a busy um, trade deadline. It was interesting. I feel like the league is shaken up and there's a lot of parity. Like, yes, uh, yes, are there favorites in each conference, but there's a good three to four teams, at least in each conference, where you'd be like, I'm not surprised that they make the NBA Finals, which is ultimately yeah, great for the league. Last question for our guest, Matt. What team made the best offseason moves? If you had to give one one team answer, what would it be? Um, Personally, I'm going to give it to Dallas. Um, like I mentioned before, they're in the bottom five in scoring per game this season. Kyrie gives you that um, edge offensively. We talked about it before as well. Their defense is already up there in the top of the league. Um, so if they can get that scoring up as well, I don't know how many other teams are going to be able to stop them. Obviously, like we talked about, the West is loaded. Um, but I think that them sitting at number four in the West right now, um, they might be able to move up a little bit potentially, maybe into three. Um I think they're going to have a good playoff run this year. So, hey, man, we could go on and on about this. Uh, you know, many, many things to digest and talk about. You'll hear more from me and Blake about our opinions and further opinions as we kind of think more and ponder about these moves. Um, but like Blake said, this has been a great episode. The league is much different than it was a few weeks ago. Um, but with that, you know, thank you for tapping in. Uh, and, you know, let us know what you think you'd like to see us cover next.